0: Q Playback. So welcome back everyone to Q Playback, the podcast that looks at uh, indie DIY recording techniques and evolution of recording and singer-songwriter and production techniques. Um, So today we're going to take a little bit of a sidestep from producers and musicians and um, I'm going to introduce... Uh, music aficionado and broadcaster, Jason Patrick. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thanks for being here. No worries. Uh, now, when we were first um, messaging about uh, when we would sort of cross paths musically, you, you were sort of suggesting that the first time uh, you'd heard my music was uh, probably around 2003-ish. Yeah. When um, I had a single called So Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to use that year as a stepping off point before we delve into uh, other times uh, okay. that we have crossed paths, which may mm-hmm. may go a bit of a way back. Um, so 2003, what would you say the highest sell- selling album in Australia was that year? Oh, gee. Uh, was it the presets? No. No, I think that was That was just that might be an indie. Bit, bit early for um, bit early the precepts, for precepts, I reckon. Okay. Um, you, you'd certainly have broader and more eclectic taste than I do, but it's still not always following what's at the top of the charts. No. Uh, so, at, at number one in 2003 in Australian uh, charts was Innocent Eyes by Delta Goodrum. Oh, my God. Yep. That's terrible. Yep. Uh, number two, <laughs> Come Away With Me by Nora Jones. Oh, that's not too bad. Um, number three, Let Go by Avril Levine. Oh. <laughs> at, at number <laughs> four, time. Uh, Vulture Street by Powderfinger. Oh, yes. I, I, uh, I did have that. Uh, I quite enjoy Powderfinger. Um, Still? Number five, Just As I Am by Guy Sebastian. Number <laughs> six, the Eminem Show by Eminem. Mm. Uh, so even by this point, like it's quite a varied mm. uh, selection of of music. Um, for me, it sort of gets down to around number ten, where it's Coldplay's A Rush of Blood to the Head, mm-hmm. which I would say is the last good Coldplay album. Ah, uh... here we go. <laughs> It's a throwdown here. It's a throwdown.
1: Well, for me personally, I think it's Levita de. I can't remember the name of the title now properly.
0: I think the arty subtitle was Death and. Death and All His Friends. That's the one. Yeah.
1: Levita de Um, Vida or something. Yeah. Um, For me, that was their last good album. And the Prospects March EP that was around at that time. Okay. As well. Uh, I think they just
0: fell right off the rockers with the stuff after that uh at number 13 one voice the greatest hits of john farnham oh at number 16 the last time by john farnham <laughs> 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 uh as we get further down there's some some ben harper um oh, yeah. great american songbook by rod stewart Oof. um on and on by jack johnson um i'm not a jack johnson fan
1: no 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 um, am i or
0: am I. I know that a lot of people are, and I know a lot of people like that laid back kind of thing. Yeah, the uh, acoustic chill out. That's right. Sort of, uh, um, but I still think I've got that teenage angst when some uh, good looking guy would turn up at a guitar uh, at a party with a guitar, yeah. and know the chords <laughs> to the most popular cover, and uh, he, uh, obviously he he would get the girl, and you'd go <laughs> home and write your next indie rock anthem. Yeah. Um,
1: ben Harper, I didn't mind. Yeah. Uh back in those days was that the Diamonds on the
0: inside? It was what yeah, that's correct. Yeah. See, I told you. You've uh <laughs> you got that memory for these things. Um around 2003, I had to sort of delve into more of the um the indie releases around that time to get a sense of what I was listening to around 2003. Have you got any idea what you were
1: Ooh, you, like you, I said, there's said, a bit a of a, bit blank, of a spot. blank spot. There's a bit of a blank spot. I didn't mm. listen to I didn't listen to Triple R
0: much I didn't subs- I wasn't a subscriber for a couple of years. Mm. Um uh, for those um listening in overseas, Triple R is one of the larger community radio stations comparable to um com- uh, to college radio in the States and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um and we'll come back to Triple R yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, okay. Um for myself, um, I think it was probably just before that, uh, one of the big albums for me was Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights mm, yeah. and Antics came through. Yeah. Um, and I guess because of my own background, there were a lot of local artists that were, um, releasing music and a lot of these people it was, you know, sitting on the floor of, um, pubs with sticky carpet and yeah. watching them, um, you know, sort of get their first album out, but um, I think Art of Fire Fighting had released Wires. Yeah, I think I did somehow. I was across that. Mm. Uh, Jersey had done Storms Dressed as Stars. No. Um, New Buffalo Sally Saltman um, had released The Last Beautiful Day. No. Um, and just to get hyper local, um, the first time I saw Sally play was at the Empress of India Hotel, uh, here in Melbourne and she was playing on the slightly out of tune house piano, um, (laughs) still amazing, still loved it. Um, and one of those, those times when you think this person should go far, um, and they're genuinely nice and humble and they, they do kick off, so, Mm uh, Tamis Wells, um, who I'd friends of friends we'd ended up sharing a gig uh, at the same venue and um, loved his staff uh, Claire Bowditch had put out Autumn Bone the first album under her own name oh, okay now I think I got involved with Claire with the
1: um, second or third album mm-hmm. um I just can't remember the title of it yeah. It was some years
0: later so um I'd I was aware of Red Raccoon and I probably had seen them just, um, traipsing around venues in Melbourne. Um, and I was also aware that, um, Claire had spent some time in Vancouver, um, doing, uh, life and music, which, um, kind of piqued my interest because it, by that point I'd, I'd toured through there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Subaudible Hum had released, uh, one of their first albums. Um, they they had a fantastic song called All for the Caspian. I think that might have been on the album after that. Um, and probably my biggest album around that time, uh, Radiohead's Kid A.
1: Yes, well, I was across Radiohead regardless of. Uh, mm. i always kept track of Radiohead because uh, they're one of my favorite bands as well. Uh, yeah, Kid A was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, it was for me. It was a bit confusing at first, but I, I, in in time, I did see that it was a step in the right direction away from what they were doing mm. with the uh, the you know the this is their sort of uh, right. Okay, computers done. This is what's happening now, mm. and if you don't like it, too bad.
0: Yeah. So. And I think, in a previous episode um I was speaking with Keith Cook about um bands like u two and r e m and how sometimes you have to make that leap yeah towards something new or you might that you try keep trying to do the same thing over and over and you're gonna lose people mm. um, even if it's great mm. um and I think uh, yeah sometimes those steps really pay off um for me i, I maybe because of where I was at personally and emotionally at that when that album came out and the kind of music I liked in, intuitively, um, that was the album that I related to and still relate to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people are like, "Yeah, but that w- wasn't that album weird?" I was like, oh. <laughs> w- yeah. "What is what is music? Like, what, is, <laughs> um, what is normal?" Yeah. Um, so. Um, Jason, can you tell us a bit more about um, how you love music? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, when I think of somebody who knows music intimately, from um, someone who appreciates music, um, I'm always taken back by just how much knowledge you have. When do you think that first started for you? When did when it you... first started for me? Yeah.
1: Um... I think it started at a very young age. Um, I uh, um, When I was little, my, the only thing that um, my parents found would put me to sleep sometimes was to drive around the block with the radio on, mm-hmm. and then they twigged, ah, it's the radio, <laughs> and then put a, a radio in my room. And uh, they would change... I think they would experiment with what works better with uh what type of music I would respond to or just calm down more for. And Yeah, it
0: was A C D C Highway to Hell.
1: <laughs> no. Uh I think it was three XY, which ah. was an AM station at the time. Fourteen twenty two AM dial. Um And they play mostly what would be known today as classic rock. Sure. stuff, Skyhawks and um, Kiss, uh, Led Zeppelin, um, stuff like that.
0: All of the artists you think of when you're trying to get a kid to go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, my parents weren't familiar with that stuff. They were. My dad was more into Slim Dusty and Johnny Cash. Mum was more into Simon and Garfunkel Hmm. and uh, John Denver. They were more into uh acoustic country sort of stuff so
0: so even they would have it on lightly they would
1: only have it on lightly
0: yeah
1: so uh you know and then once i was asleep they turned the radio right off so it's not like i was being brainwashed (laughs) while i slept or anything like that so So
0: even at six months you were disappointing your parents with your music choices (laughs) yes yeah um so uh while we're saying that you remember sort of my music from around 2003, yeah, we actually go back a fair bit further than that. We do, we now, do. But, and uh, as I've said in, in other episodes, um, the reason I'm trying to bring people in is because um, the for whatever reason, the way my memory seems to work is that I remember emotions and feelings. Often, but I'm not good on remembering dates and details. Okay. So I'm bringing people in to hold me accountable. Okay. Um, so we would have been fairly young. Yes,
1: uh, I think it was 1983 or thereabouts that uh, my parents um, took me and my sister along to the Blackburn North Baptist Church. Um,
0: so once again, it was a camp thing for those overseas. Um, we're talking about the Bible belt in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, so sort of the heart of the Eastern suburbs that were probably best described as aspirational middle-class at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and still, yeah, very much, a um, a Bible belt of Melbourne.
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, one of the small group, the Bible study group that your parents were involved in, took you and your family on to as well. Mm. We, um, I think I remember meeting you as a little kid through Mm. there, but you may not remember much about that time. I don't remember much in detail. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just very
0: passing. I I remember the campsites and, um, I think you've shown me photos, which is, is amazing to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In one, in one of the other episodes, um, uh our guest Keith said that he thought it was incredible that I'd kept all of these demo tapes okay. going back to when we were probably sixteen. Okay. Oh wow. Well. You also have uh the receipts for uh for us going way back.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um
0: so I think. Um Because I, I have memories of you DJing at different things, but I can't remember how far back that was. Was it oh, teen, maybe teenage years?
1: Teenage years, yeah. Um, um yeah, group uh, of my friends, and I. We um, um, we would do twenty-first and eighteen birthday parties for church groups in in our area in Essendon, mm. Gloss- uh, Essendon and Overfaldy. Uh, and then, uh, someone who had done a, I think it was an 18th, their, their sister was living over in the Eastern suburbs. They, their family had originated from Bendigo and, uh, her, his sister was living over in the Eastern suburbs and we got a few gigs out that way, nice. uh, doing DJing stuff. So yeah, that's, uh wow so
0: (laughs) i'm gonna guess uh that's similar to myself um there was a radio cassette player early on in your development with music and you'll be cursing the djs that talked over the end of the songs (laughs) or the beginnings
1: i i was always very careful to cut cut as much of that out um and
0: uh yeah um remember kids illegal uh, recording off the radio is killing the in recording industry, industry <laughs> yeah um yeah so actually my first
1: just on that that note um I, the first song I remember really liking and wanting to be able to listen to it again on a cassette and record it and listen to it again um it was probably 1978. Um, and I heard. Um, Bruce Springsteen's "Born to Run,"
0: nineteen seventy-eight. Yes. So you would have been, ooh, yeah, four. Oh my goodness! Four or five. Yep. I turn fifty this year. So. so I mean, I remember loving the piano at that age. Yeah. I don't think I I. Probably A specific didn't, song. I don't think I had access to the technology at that. Oh, point. Okay. Um, well,
1: I. Well, uh, this is where it gets interesting yeah, is because um, I'd, I'd observed my mum and dad recording stuff off the TV like a John Denver special or a Kenny Rogers special yeah. or whatever on the TV and I have figured out I've got to press the red button and the play button to to make the recording off the radio and uh, I, I'd heard the song a few times during the week already and I'm like, I'm going to do that on I'm gonna I'm gonna do that for that song. Nice. With that, uh, uh, mum, you know, I had not been told not to touch it, <laughs> but I hadn't had an inkling to touch it either, <laughs> uh, up until that point. And uh, I heard I heard the drums, at the start of the song. Yep. Oh, oh, this is it! And I just whatever tape was in there, yep. I hit record on.
0: So you're suddenly taping over the... taping over
1: Mum's John Denver.
0: Uh, oh, I was go- I was going to go with <laughs> the spoken word version of the new international version of the Bible, but <laughs> no, no, that's
1: it's a bit early for that. so...
0: <laughs> wow, uh, but I mean, if you if you're going to tape over John Denver with something British born British to run, <laughs> <laughs> it's fr- probably forgivable. <laughs> um, so, um, what? Other pieces of equipment do you remember loving and using? Um, I had a a moment in, I would have been in grade six and I'd been recording all my favorite songs, obviously, and, um, our house got burgled. Um, and so my parents are obviously looking around for any cash or jewelry or anything. Me, I run straight to my bedroom. I look under my bunk and my stereo has gone. And not just my stereo, oh no, the tape that I had all my favorite songs, oh no, was in it. So, so that was gone. And I like, I am losing my shit. I am hysterical. I am sobbing, and my dad's just like, "What is wrong with you?" (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that that was um, probably the first clues that my dad wasn't gonna love me being a musician.
1: We had this portable cassette recorder, which I was just talking about. We also had a, um, it was supposed to be a 3-in-1, not like you, a modern-day 3-in-1. Um, You'd be able to put in a reel-to-reel machine to record off the record player, off the radio. There's a built-in radio. Wow. But um, it was basically this box, upstanding box, with um, speakers on the front and then the um, the turntable inside with a lid, big lid for the whole of the. I've still got it at home. I'll call it oh, amazing. The, I call it the disco box. I, wow. I, 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 yeah. There's some YouTube footage of it on my, um, my YouTube channel. Of some. I think we're some... gonna have
0: to grab a picture of that for the Patreon okay. people because that, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And it had
1: disco lights in the front grill. Oh, as well, it had classic. blue, blue, yellow, and red lights that would light up in sync with the, the beat and the, the bass of the music.
0: Wait, wait. So this would have been...
1: 1973. What? It, uh, uh, my parents bought it in 1973.
0: That must've cost a lot in 1973.
1: I don't, I don't know. It was, it was a sound investment. It lasted a long, <laughs> lasted a long time. And I still, I, I own it myself as wow. a heirloom. Wow. So,
0: yeah. Is that your repi your retirement plan? <laughs> <laughs> to sell it? Yeah. No, no, no.
1: I want to keep it. I want to keep it. But it's, <laughs> at the moment, it's in a corner of my um, where I live in now, just sort of gathering dust. But um, it will. Uh, uh, I want to restore it to its former glory, with a slightly better table than what's in it at the moment. So. Um.
0: So first. Albums, I'll um out myself. Okay, I, I, I haven't got it anymore, but um, it was either um, Under a Blood Red Sky by U2. Okay, wow, or for those at home, I'm just going through a big box of cassettes um, that I had to retrieve from under a house recently. The cassette version of Tears oh. for Fears. Songs from the Big Chair, okay. Which I don't think is too embarrassing. No, it's a good album. I'm um, I was,
1: I was still a fan of Tears for Fears. Their last album, The Tipping Point, was pretty good too. It came out last year.
0: Once again, um, encyclopedic knowledge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's even better in surround sound too. There you go. Uh, and the Atmos. I haven't got. I haven't heard the Atmos mix, but heard a five-point-one mix of it, which nice. is. Very good. Uh, right. Back to the topic. Uh, first record I ever bought my own money or first record that I remember having Ooh, given to me.
0: I'll do both. Do both.
1: First record. <laughs> first one's a bit embarrassing. Um, I think it was a young talent
0: time album or something. Oh, of wow. covers. I'd almost forgotten about young talent. Time. Young so, <laughs> uh, Young Talent Time was a a variety hour show uh, comprising of performances by uh young performers in Australia uh compared by Johnny, Johnny Young, young. <laughs> um I I'm going to have to dig up some youtube to, to find out just how horrific it was oh it was pretty um, horrific <laughs> although it did produce some Exports for Australia. Yeah, Tina Arena. Tina Arena. Um, yeah. Oh, who who would have been? Kylie,
1: Kylie Minogue and Denny Minogue.
0: Right, Okay. So they they weren't just neighbours. They were no, they okay. weren't. No,
1: no. They uh, um, they were on Young town Time.
0: And how long did it run? Did it get up to Delta? Who was?
1: Uh, I think Delta came through of her own volition mm, okay. through neighbours. Okay. Um. Anyway, enough for Delta. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, first album I bought with my own money was probably the Ghostbusters soundtrack. Nice in nineteen eighty
0: four. I mean, that's solid. That was a big one. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, who can deny that groove? Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so for all of um our tech listeners, what were some of the pieces of equipment that you used over the years? Um this will probably take us from portable stereo systems right up to broadcast days. Mm. Yeah. Um.
1: Oh, I had a number of, um, just sort of box radios in the early, early 80s. Um, no cassette deck or anything like that. It was just a sort of, um, Oh, even clock radios. Okay. Um, I had a few clock radios up until. Um, sort of. Um, I think it was around. Sorry, I think now. Um, in my teenage years, my uncle, had upgraded his um hi-fi system, and I got his old amp and speakers and cassette deck, and uh, CDs. Had, has been around for a few years. Um, uh, when was that? It was probably nineteen eighty eight, late eighties or thereabouts. Do you think that um young um,
0: people these days will be saying, What is a clock radio?
1: Probably yeah. Um What what's a movie from the eighties and someone waking up late will be smashing the crap out of one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: um I mean, I've got a background in healthcare as well. Um, so I haven't even worn a watch since I was about 16. Oh, okay. Um, maybe watches only exist as a status symbol now, I don't know, I don't know. because I mean, surely everyone's got a smartphone and yeah, okay. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's yeah, no, no, an interesting point. Um, so yeah, a number of box radios and, um, the radio, the radio we had in the kitchen was a cassette, um, cassette radio. We had a family hi-fi in the lounge room, which had a cassette record player and radio, um, which I was up until a point until I got my own... Um, my own hi-fi equipment, or second-hand hi-fi equipment. Um, most of... Any recording off the radio would have been done in the one in the lounge room. Mm. Uh, you know, and you would be sitting around the radio on a Saturday night listening to Take 40 Australia. and.
0: Oh, Take 40 Australia. Wow.
1: Did that take you back?
0: <laughs> yeah. Was there a dedicated host for Take uh, 40 Barry Bissell. Australia? Oh, yes. there was too. Barry Bissell. Um. Call me unpatriotic. I'm I'm actually fine with being unpatriotic. But um, I would have first thought of Casey Kasem.
1: Yeah, well, Kay, Casey Kasem came first, and then they they switched him out for Sunday nights rather than Saturday uh, nights. Okay. Um, and once the people wanted to hear more Australian, mm-hmm. the what was happening in the Australian charts as well. So local radio was trying to. I think through people like um, uh, the Mushroom, what's his name? Um,
0: oh yeah, head of, head of head mushroom, mushroom
1: Records, Michael Gudinski. Michael Michael Gudinski, that's right. I think it was he sort of pushed forward with the whole ARIA thing and the mm. having an ARIA chart program uh, with a number of other Australian record labels.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's interesting and it brings up, I think, a, a big point for where the Australian industry has gone probably over the last 20 years that mm-hmm. at that point, in like there was still a strong pub rock culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people would go and see live bands um, and that flowed through into that charting system. Mm-hmm. So it still seemed to have a bit of credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas... Uh, like uh, m- most musicians I know have given up on any idea of charting for the last 25 years because yeah. it's fairly plain to see how the influence of the record companies flooding through into retail, mm. uh, is really selling imported music.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So once I had the second, second hand hi-fi equipment in my sort of mid teenage years, um, it was at that point me and my friends started pulling our equipment together and doing the DJ thing in our Excellent. Our teenage years. Later well, from about sixteen onwards, um, we had Peter's older brother would drive us and he'd sort of uh he'd be security for <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. He was old enough to drive. And uh, you know, he got to got to get out of out and about and chat up some of the or whatever he did I forget but, you know, <laughs> that's he, very diplomatic he, he, had, <laughs> he had he had ulterior motives as well as helping us so uh, but uh, um, so um, yeah so then I started getting into media studies and things like that in high school and the last the 11, year 11 and 12 VCE, uh, media studies, radio, I was always, I'd always, um, um, with my, with the same set of friends, uh, we'd sort of mess around and make our own radio programs. Like we'd listen to like our dad's, um, um, and add, uh, you know, the Goon Show okay. recordings and stuff yeah. like that, and we'd just, just do try and be random like they were, hmm. in a way, and uh, and all this, and we would do these, uh, these radio interviews where we tape tape the answers off the musicians on MTV. And then we'd make up completely ridiculous questions oh, for the answers. Yeah. And uh stuff like that, which we thought was hilarious, but yeah. now it's incredibly childish, you're listening back to any of that stuff which I don't have. Uh mm-hmm. obviously it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs>
0: speaking of terrible, I think I do have something very similar. Um my friends and I would make uh radio shows for each other. Yeah. Uh and then send the tapes to each other.
1: Yeah. Um, we do it as a group, yeah, sort of thing, and we do that as well. As...
0: So I, I think I've got two or three of them. If I do, I will dig them up and disgrace myself by making them public. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then with media studies, I got into more um, of doing that myself because um, I, uh, I had the. A little, oops. Um. I had a little uh, sort of DJ mixing desk. No, oh, not desk. It was just like a little console mm. with three three microphone inputs, two stereo inputs, and you could switch between a record player or auxiliary uh, on the fader. For the and then there was a crossfader down the bottom between the two stereo um, faders. So um, I only ever had one turntable. So we all of us sort of would um, bring a little bit of each and put it all together for the night, and then take it all back down and put it back in our own systems again, and all this sort of thing. But I because I had the mixer and the microphone. I could do, uh, my, the stuff I was doing for school probably sounded a little bit better than some of the other students, yeah, yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, I took pride in some of that sort of stuff, the, uh, the quality of the, the tools I had. So, uh, and then when I left school, uh, I'd always been, um, listening to the radio and And sort of, uh, you know, community radio was something that I discovered uh, probably around that time as well, 11, 12, Mm -hmm. year 11 and 12, when was I, 16, 17, 18, anyway. um, So, uh, I was discovering all this other music that um, was not being played anywhere else. And it just uh I just just uh was very hungry for anything I could find that was not like anything I'd heard before, yeah, yeah. so stations like triple j and uh triple R were very uh, very good feeding ground for me mm. so
0: yeah, I think when um and it can, when it can happen in any station, but, uh, when broadcasting back, back then there was so much of a monopoly on the commercial stations and things could become very staid and middle of the road. And so finding, um, a station that's suddenly playing, um, like something, even but you know, the cure are not a small band by any means, but no. trying to hear the cure played much at all was difficult on the, yeah, in Australia in the '80s on the airwaves. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, talking about you know getting into community radio, I think that was one of the first times that I actually heard uh, The Cure was listening to Triple R late one night. Okay, yeah. I was probably meant to be studying, <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, "What is this?" And then obviously, like when the voice kicked in, I knew <laughs> who it was. Yeah. But um, yeah, and, and that really sort of cemented. A similar, um, not just the hunger, but the love of, the lack of pretension, and the the love for the music. Yeah. Um, people giving up the time to share stuff that they love, um, mm-hmm. and I I think that really makes a difference.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, the other thing, as much as listening as well, i like I um, you know some. You know, I, I would be inquisitive and sometimes couldn't wait till the the announcer got back and told you what they played. I'd, I'd ring up a big <laughs> song and, man, what is this? Where is it? Where can I buy this? And, uh, you know, so I, I became a bit of a nuisance to particular uh, radio presenters on Triple R <laughs> during the, the late 80s, particularly... Uh, uh, particularly Alan Thomas from uh, Middle for Melbourne. Oh wow! Middle uh, from was, Melbourne. Yeah, that was an institution. If mm. in, where I went to school in Broadmeadows, um, Broadmeadows West Tech was where I went to school before it became um, Hillcrest Secondary College. Um, you Sounds either sense. listen? You ever listen to metal? or You got your head kicked in. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you either listen to metal from Melbourne, and knew what the feature album was, and that would save you getting a beating first. So
0: that so you uh, had that so, sort of self-interest to have a tangential, slight knowledge of metal.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, for self-preservation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on that same note, I um I used to tell. Uh, a girl I was interested at school that, um, I was into Europe cause I knew she was a really big Europe fan. Okay, yeah. Um, and you know, they were fine for what, are they still going? You would know this person. I think they are actually. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure what capacity. No. But I, I, I can say that I wasn't really a fan. Um, no. but, but I was a fan of this girl. Uh, okay, Right. <laughs> um so those uh borderline uh lawsuits in harassing uh local <laughs> <laughs> radio djs uh they did serve in your favor long term
1: yes uh, um well uh just i um, not just the big comm- the not the commercial the big community radio station do a lot of suburban Stations that I would I'd would tune through and find, like uh, there was a station in Fitz Footscray, no Footscray, um in a West FM I think it was, at that time uh, I'm not sure if it's on here anymore, uh and um nine seven nine, which was Melton Community Radio, which I was uh had been involved with myself recently hmm. the last couple of years but not now um and there was one startup up in my area and told me in Torremain Broadmeadows called Northwest FM they were doing test broadcasts throughout that time i was listening i'd be tuning through and uh you know they'd be on air for a couple of weeks and then be yeah. off air for another uh another four months or so I didn't interview like with
0: them um, years back now. Pro- probably around the time that we're saying that we like first musically crossed paths around two thousand three. I didn't an interview. Might have been a bit later than that out there. Okay. Um, I, all I remember is that the presenter's name was also Chris, and um, we started up uh, this back and forth that um, he suggested maybe I should come back and co-host with him. <laughs> The two Chris's. The, the message never came. No. Oh no. <laughs> oh. Um.
1: <It's> too bad. <laughs> anyway. Um. Yeah. So this local FM station was test broadcasting throughout uh throughout the year, probably um ninety one, ninety two, and then. In late '92, they got their full-time license. There was a number of suburban licenses that were being that uh, were available, and they got one. They got one, and they've been on air ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was probably about six months later that um, I've been started to. Oh, they're back, and uh, I sort of got interested in. I thought, oh, I wonder if I could do a radio program on there. Mm. And, uh, you know, I wonder what it would take to get involved. I just, um, you know, there were a lot of other young people my age on there uh, who, you know, they weren't playing the sort of music I would have played or ended up playing uh, on there. And, uh, you know, I... um I think I just I rode my bike over there from Tullamarine, which wasn't it was about a twenty minute drive, uh, drive, uh bike ride hmm. from where I lived to where the station was in Glenroy. And um, oh, they uh, they said, oh, well, we need people to answer the phones, uh, <laughs> so oh yeah, great, I I can answer a phone, and uh, yeah, because some of the presenters would do request programs Mm. and they didn't always have time to write it down themselves. So we write it down for them and take it inside and everyone, you know, you you get your request played and you hear your name on the
0: radio and all that. Uh, It's it's kind of, um, the studio apprentice, uh, version, uh, um, of the job. It's, um, the people would say, Oh yeah, I've got this apprenticeship and I'm going (laughs) to go and, um, you know, get experience in the studio. Um, and you just end up getting coffees for everyone the whole day. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean I I wish that it, that industry had sort of existed the same way when I was coming through. Yeah. Um but it wasn't to be. No.
1: no. Um so eventually I got involved, a bit more involved and um uh did the training, did the uh the broadcast training on how to use the the mixing desk and the cart machines and the, the uh, how to cure up the records properly and all that sort of thing. And, um, okay,
0: just take a step back anyway, for um, our, our less less technical uh, <laughs> listeners. A cart machine.
1: Ah, it was like uh, it was a tape tape loop in a box. You put in this machine and it would have the station messages. Might might be sponsor mes- messages or station IDs or mm. uh, jingles or what have you. Um, and so it's uh, a self-contained reel of magnetic tape that you pop in this machine. You press a button, it'll play for 30 seconds. And then it, uh, sometimes, depending on the size of the tape, there might be... You know like a, a thirty second tape or a minute tape, and mm. you'd have one message per tape, or you might have um, a tape that runs for five minutes and has multiple different messages of the same theme mm. um which usually it got left in a uh, a third machine that would you get random different messages instead of what you knew was going to be played. Mm.
0: Uh, and, and, of course, these days, all of these stings would just be completely digital. Yes. Um, which must be a bizarre thing. To, I mean, we have this nostalgic view of physical media, mostly with vinyl. Some people are trying to bring CDs back. I'm not sure why, other than they look pretty. Um, I still collect CDs. Well, oh, God, sorry. Sorry, Jace. That's the vote.
1: I bought uh, the first day kit album Palomino on CD
0: last year. Oh, nice. That was the last one, though. Um, yeah, so I guess the thought of like physically putting a thirty-second cartridge tape, yeah, object, yeah, in into a um, a part of the desk or a player for the desk, yeah, other than just like press this button and here's your um, here's your message, yeah, uh, like,
1: yeah, yeah. Now we've come a long way. We certainly have come a long way. So, uh i think nowadays most people uh at 979 if we had two two computer units one would have all the station messages on it and you'd get your run sheet and you'd put it on put them, put them in order to play in brackets and then you'd press the button on the desk and it would start playing those that bracket of so uh, bracket of songs bracket of um uh, messages, mm. and then once you put your bracket in, it would save the next lot for the next time you press the button again. Great. Uh, yeah. So that's um, how one station does it. Um, and then the other computer, you have like your virtual DJ uh, console with four little devices or turntables, mm. and you put your digital audio file onto the particular Player and you can have one. You can have four songs ready to go at once, or yep. choose from whatever you you feel like, or if you've got playlisted to the letter, um, you just uh, play what's next. And
0: nice. Um, you seem to be someone that likes to. I don't know if I'd say have a theme, but often you're either deliberately trying to take people on a certain kind of journey or you're deliberately trying to mess with their heads by, (laughs) um, juxtaposing, uh, different styles. Yes. Is, is there something behind that or is it just how you're feeling on the day? Uh,
1: I think, um, I think, uh, I think it's just, um, part of who I am and, Some of that is to do with my mental health as well because I I have a schizo, a schizo, uh, affective disorder. And part of that is schizophrenia, but that's all under control with medication at the moment. But yeah, so I have a very sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, I don't always want to play the same sort of thing next. Just sort of like to mix it up, uh, in that regard. So that's probably why I play something different completely after something else and things like that. It just, uh, just it's all a jumble in my head mm. as well. Well, uh, and I'll, I tend to listen to a certain playlist of stuff that I like in random. So whatever pops up pops up, and you know it might be, um. I don't know. Um, Joni Mitchell, and then next it's Slayer or <laughs> things like that, you know. The uh. collaboration we're all waiting for.
0: <laughs> uh, it's interesting yeah, mentioning mental health. Um, I'm obviously uh, open about having to struggle with depression over the years. Um, uh, and music is an intimate part of of how i experience and explore my own mental health mm-hmm. um i think uh, <laughs> and often people say chris you listen to such sad music why do you listen to so much sad music but uh for me it's more that um it's comforting to know that someone else has been through what you're going yeah, through absolutely and they're yeah. still around and you're also not alone in the world um so I think that um, uh, as more people are feel comfortable talking about mental health, um, some of our listeners know that um, for quite a time I was also um, a nurse, I'm very much of the opinion that um, mental health should be treated the same way any other malady of the body is treated. Um, but there's still an incredible amount of stigma associated with it. Um, and in Australian culture, I think it's fair to say that ideas of masculinity have been very much um, associated with just getting on with it. Mm, um, yeah.
1: That's just uh, how I feel, right?
0: That's right, you know. yeah, yeah, get on with it. And um, So I'm, I'm glad that, especially people of our generation, because as you're saying, we are middle-aged, um, and the, I think the younger generations are a lot uh, more open. We just go I'm having a crap day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our generation is that in between generation where it's going to be, mm. uh, be difficult. Um, but, um, yeah, I think all forms of art being able to explore and express, you know, how you're engaging with life, um, is really important and um sometimes i'll reach out to you because i'll look at what uh is coming through your um you know your playlists and i'll be mm. oh, i think jace might want to have a chat or <laughs> <laughs>
1: um too much elliot smith <laughs> <that's it. laughs>
0: um but that said I, I mean i think that's one of uh, your strengths is yep. um once again that intimate knowledge of music uh, and yeah. even tonight, like I, I probably have more of an intimate knowledge of sound and there are bands mm-hmm. that um, I love the incredible detail of, but I'm still flabbergasted when you can just pull um, something out of your hat, some small detail about some recording um, that I'll have no idea about. So
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think in that regard, I just... um. A bit of a musical elephant, and that once I hear something or hear uh, just trivia, I just, just retain it. Um, you know, I just, my head's a bit of a jukebox as well, sort of thing. So there's always, you know, I'm always listening for to the same things for different, hearing different things sometimes in, in recordings that I didn't realize were there. Um, things like that. But, um.
0: So, what would you say is your most desperate moment of innovation? This can be anything. It can be a technical blunder and on. Oh, yes. okay. Um.
1: Oh. Um. Mm. Um. I was <laughs> trying to narrow them there. <laughs> Um, I was, I was at nine seven nine, one one night and, um, I think the, um, the virtual DJ system flushed up this, um, this Windows update.
0: Oh, I was uh, going to say, close yeah. down,
1: wanting, wanting oh, no. to. Do you want to do it now or later? <laughs> and I've gone, I've gone to click the cross to remove the, um, remove the message off the screen and go on with what I was going to do next. And I've slipped, and as I've slipped, I've clicked on the okay. Update now. Update oh. now, and it's just gone. Okay. Oh. <laughs> And I come back from the ends and like, hello everyone. Uh, I haven't got anything to play for you at the moment because the computer's decided to reboot itself. Just give me a moment while I shuffle over to the other studio. So, thankfully, the other, one of the other two studios was available, and uh, I just grabbed the the what's our external drive and plugged it into one of the other studios and fired it up. And it was very minimal.
0: Uh. Because the other
1: thing as well that we had as a cover um, was there's a, a channel on the mixer panel where it's got background, uh, not background music. It's got um, automated music, right? So it could be playing mix of top forty hits and from today and ten years ago. Um, so I slid that up and then. Um,
0: so that was a bit of a cover
1: um <laughs> nice
0: work yeah <laughs> um so after all of this combined experience over so many years are there, is there any are there any little gems that you wanna share with people or is a a way that you look at it all and okay, um could be technical or philosophical or <laughs> um
1: I think. Uh, I think what I will say is just to don't be afraid to have an open mind about exploring what's out there because you you never know you might like for a while. Um, an example. Um, I had. Um, in high school was very into Pink Floyd and, um, the only Pink Floyd albums I was really interested in was, uh, Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall. Okay. But there's all these other albums before Dark Side of the Moon and in between. And well, the, um, the eighties ones, I don't really count too much. Um, hasn't got Roger Walters. Waters. Mm-hmm. Not Roger Walters. <laughs> Roger Waters. Um but he's sort of lost me in recent times as well. Um, but um um so I only ever listened to those two albums for a while. Uh for about on here and there when I would you know, come around back to it again, I'd have a mm-hmm. give it a bit of a binge. And then um And I thought, oh, maybe I should explore some of their other stuff because I was starting to get, by the age of twenty five, I was starting to get bored with those particular albums. Yeah, and um, so I found some of the more earlier albums, and um, they were good, but I I don't know. I I I just I think I was missing something in. Experiencing those properly, Mm. but uh, so I I sort of gave up on Pink Floyd for a while, and then probably about 10 years ago, um, I listened to the Animals album, which was one of the albums in between, uh, The Wall and uh, Wish You Were Here. Wish You Were Here was a classic, I never got sick of that. Mm. Um, but Animals, I'd never listened to or never heard anything from before, it never got played on the radio. And I, I put it on, and the, there's a first little small song from Roger called "Pigs on the Wing." And it's just a little jingly jangly sort of thing, and then after that is a 16 minute epic guitar rock thing that um, uh, what's his name? Um, I forgot, I forgot the other guy the
0: was Gilmore in the band Dave the Gilmore, yes.
1: Dave yeah. Gilmore. It was a Dave Gilmore song called Dogs. I, okay. It just starts out uh, quiet, but then it sort of explodes into this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? <laughs> why have I, why is it taking me so long to find this out? And it was really, I, I just, for days I would listen to that repeatedly every, uh, every now and then. I wouldn't listen to it. Sixteen minutes after sixteen minutes or anything <laughs> like that, but I just uh, like oh so good. Mm. I can't believe it took me this long to discover it. <laughs> so uh, you know, just I guess you find things when sometimes you find things when you need them, and sometimes they find you.
0: Yeah. Well, um, thanks so much, Jace, for coming in. Um, whenever we get time to catch up, I'm always just astounded by your music knowledge. Uh, makes well, me f- makes me feel like an amateur. Um, do you have some things to plug? Um, some streams and a Patreon.
1: And- uh, I am doing Mixler Audio streaming
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, from time to time. Usually, you follow Capdago on Twitter and um, uh, Instagram what else um oh i've got the new one that I want myspace no <laughs> once upon a time um mastodon 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 uh on cap cap Argo on mastodon cap Argo at radio dot mastodon
0: so um yeah get get onto those um socials
1: get onto the socials you find me on there and I tend to uh, announce probably sometimes it might be six hours before I do one or a couple of hours before I do a live stream. But there's always a recording page you can go back and listen to other uh, other episodes that have been done that week or the month. It goes back a couple of months. So there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, the music talk dot rocks is my blog where there's all sorts of stuff on there from previous broadcasting years of graveyards from Triple R and Northwest FM and stuff. And
0: yeah, brilliant. Um, and so, as always, uh, just remember there is magic in the mystery of not quite knowing what you're doing. Thanks, everyone.
1: Cue playback. Ooh.